How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoe. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it, finally. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Okay, so I'm drinking wine as we record this because I feel like it's the best way to handle talking about the Los Angeles Kings and everything that they have become because it has been a rough couple days. Oh, that is 100% fair. I, so, okay, there was actually one game that was kind of fun. They won it or whatever. And then they had this back-to-back road trip that they just laid two eggs on. (laughs) Um, First, they lost to Calgary, and then they lost to Edmonton. Um, And I guess we can go into a little bit of what those two games were. I feel like, actually, in both of them, what stuck out to me is that the Kings looked incredibly slow (laughs) against two very quick teams. Yep, it was very much heightened by all of the young guys on both the Oilers and the Flames and watching them uh, just speed around everyone. That was kind of disheartening, to say the very least. Yeah, exactly. And it seemed like the Kings, in parts of those games, would get it together and be able to shut it down a little more and get their cycles going. But it was never consistent also. And then, you know, the second they lost, it felt like particularly in the Calgary game, every time they had a shot, the rebound would pop out and then there would be a rush chance in the other way. Um, And then, of course, they're not fast enough to catch up to players like, I don't know, Johnny Gaudreau. (laughs) So then it would be really unfortunate for them. And it's it's tough to watch that. (laughs) Yeah, and in the Oilers game, there kept being like a bunch of blocked shots or just like nothing seemed to come together in their favor either. (laughs) Um and there was just lots of scrambling around and them not being able to get things together and it was just very it was just very frustrating to watch yeah and i think that's the toughest part about watching this kings team like even though i think both of us have pretty reasonable expectations from them and stuff it's it's weird to watch them and not feel any sort of excitement. Like, I feel like a couple years ago, people would always be like, oh, the Kings are a boring team, and it wasn't actually true. But now, <laughs> they're pretty boring and predictable. Yeah, pretty much. They just have, like, bouts of excitement where I think that they're, like, today during the um, the Oilers game, after Jerome McGinley got into that fight, there was, like, a little spark behind the eyes of the Kings. So it looked like that they were, you know, maybe that something was going to happen, that they would score a goal. I don't know. And none of it did, because it only lasted for a little bit. Right. And then it kind of petered out into this kind of, uh, you know, lumbering game that they've been playing as of late. Yeah, it feels like the Kings are, I don't want to say ready to be out, but it seems like they aren't particularly surprised by the position that they're in. (laughs) Um, They don't have very much spark, or like you said, at least not consistently. It kind of shows up and then quickly dissolves um i think fans at this point are kind of done uh watching twitter like people's reactions was like everybody just being like all right bye (laughs) see you later (laughs) see you next year los angeles Kings." yeah it's been very just like by the book like okay someone scored a goal someone didn't score a goal um and just that's about it just like the reporting of what's going on i'm just like all right i'm done yeah later so they lost like i just don't care anymore (laughs) right right i I can't really get too much too emotional about it because it's kind of been like this way for the last few weeks um yeah 
the Kings lost 5-2 to Calgary, I believe it was, and then they got yes. shut out by Edmonton. They lost 2 nothing. Bumping up, okay, so the Kings now have been shut out nine times this season, and they are second in the league in that particular stat. The only team who has been shut out more times are the uh, Colorado Avalanche. So that's well, that's shitty company. That's not a, that's <laughs> super shitty company. I was gonna say, the Colorado Avalanche are number one in every shitty category you want to <laughs> be number one in. Um. So, but wait, there's more. Well, actually, I will say first to temper that particular number is that the Kings were, were not really temper, but I guess put a point on it in terms of like being shut out necessarily doesn't doesn't necessarily mean horrible things like obviously it's bad but you can still be shut out a number of times and have a pretty relatively good season like if they had gotten shut out those three times in a row and then had gone on to have pretty good games it wouldn't be that big of a deal but obviously in a season where you don't score very much anyway and also you get shut out a bunch of times it looks pretty bad um for comparison uh last season they were only shut out four times the year that they won the cup last they were shut out six times and then um, to 2014-15 when they missed the playoffs, they were shut out eight times. So it's also just, it's not a good indicator either. And it's probably uh, pretty indicative of the Kings' struggles in a way. Um, so that is a rough number for them. Yeah, and like when the six when they they lost the cup, uh, when they won the cup, um, they, they had a lot of highs and lows because we had that, like, we're always complaining about the winter of just like terribleness right, where yeah. they seem to check out in the, in the month of January and February. Um, but this season seems to have just been a like consistent stream of like middling to not goodness. You know, there hasn't been the the like really high highs uh, that that sort of like balance everything else out, and that's what's been frustrating. Is that usually we can you know hibernate through that terrible winter and know that we're going to come out pretty okay in the end, and this season really. Um, didn't show us that at all. I think the other factor, too, is that the Kings also haven't been very lucky in the sense that when they would go through those slumps, they the, the rest of the division wouldn't do too much. And like it's this year, whether it's earned in some cases or some of it is, it seems like everybody else in the division is really lucky and the Kings aren't. So you don't you can't even be like, oh, well, they had a slump. But luckily, this team, this team and this team also lost. Um, everybody else seems to just be gaining ground while the Kings are like, and eh, we're kind of sitting here and it's yeah. not great. <laughs> the gap just keeps widening and widening. So as optimistic as I was a few weeks ago, less so now, obviously. <laughs> OK, but another unfortunate Stat. So our friend, Kai, um, texted me this earlier. She had made a spreadsheet, basically, because she was curious about um, whether or not the Kings were the worst team when it came to entering the third period with no goals. This is what she found. After tonight, they've entered the third period with zero goals 22 times out of 72 games, or um, 30.5% of the time, about. Um, this is tied for second worst in the NHL and behind only Carolina's 24. So that's bad. And it's not like they have been a team who has insane third period comebacks. So it, there's also that element of like, well, if they haven't scored by now, it's probably not going to get much better. Um, but now we have the numbers to back that up, to just to back up that like feeling that they aren't going to come back. Yeah, exactly. And then in terms of just plain excitement, because it's like, okay, you can have a team that's not very good, um, but also 
is kind of an exciting mess, even if they don't win a lot. Like, that's why I started watching the Calgary Flames, for example. I was like, they're a hot mess, but at least they score goals and then lose in some spectacular fashion, and it's great. Um, But the Kings, so another thing that Kai pointed out, she was like, that means about 33% of the time we might as well not turn on the game until the third period. (laughs) Because you know nothing's going to (laughs) happen. Yep, that's very true. That's very true. That's unfortunate as a fan of a team. I'm ready for like a do-over. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready I'm ready to restart the team. Yeah, I'm ready for some changes hopefully and um I mean, you know, they're still in the cap situation they're in and they still have contracts that are pretty unmovable, so it's going to be really tough, but I think in general I'm just ready to see them make some creative decisions somehow and Hopefully things are a little bit more exciting next season, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I wonder how long... Oh, God, this is like the pessimistic pessimistic side in me. I'm like, I wonder how many more uh, games until the Kings are no longer in playoff contention. Oh, it has to be coming up pretty quick, right? Yeah, well, only two teams currently um, are no longer are out of playoff contention, that obviously being uh, Colorado and... I think Arizona as of tonight. Give them time, I guess. It's weird that it's taking so long. Like, I feel like we're pretty close to the end of the season, and yet yeah. they still technically have a chance, even though I think we're all at this point not expecting them to suddenly go on like, go on, like a 9 nothing like win streak. Yeah. Because that seems to be what it would take. <laughs> but <laughs> Pretty much. And for everyone else to also just, like, lose dramatically. Like, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of column A, like the Kings doing well. And a lot of column B, the rest of the uh, conference doing very poorly. Right, exactly. Or division, I guess. Um, okay, before we talk about the one good game, even though it happened before the two bad games, I feel like we should save that for last because it's the one bright spot. In the Calgary game also, Drew Doughty was elbowed in the face by Matthew Kachuk, and Kachuk was suspended two games. The interesting thing about this to me was that it pretty immediately reminded me of Dustin Brown's elbowing suspension on Pommonville in 2013 right. again, when they played the Wild. And it was just like that, except for... So so I was like, oh, well, they have to suspend him. We've seen literally this exact thing <laughs> with this yeah. team before. <laughs> but this one was kind of intense because it felt like... And possibly this was just like, you know, Kachuk is a younger guy, so he got a little overzealous. But it seemed like he kind of anticipated that counter check or whatever before Drew Doughty even got there. Um, it was it was just really strange. It was like, all right, you're probably trying to protect yourself because you're expecting a check, but also you acted like three seconds too early. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, and kind of the general consen- consensus that I've seen from some Calgary Flames fans have just been like, all right, well, maybe this will finally get him to kind of like rein it in a little because he's had some sort of uh, a few, you know, a suspicious plays and things like that and just like kind of dirty dirty things happening and for someone so young in the like league you want to scrub that out pretty quick it makes me think um, oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say but it also doesn't surprise me because he said that his idol uh is cory perry uh, really <laughs> <laughs> no joke what <laughs> oh well then he's obviously guilty <laughs> So that's why I was like, oh, I, I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt. But he 
is apparently modeling his game after Corey Perry. So, oh my god, you're terrible. <laughs> that is honestly amazing. I didn't know that. Um, I I was gonna say that his that kind of like maybe being a little overzealous. The, some of the complaints it reminds me of about um, Tom Wilson and the people who were like, this dude does not know how to execute <laughs> uh, legal, not terrifying checks. Um, right. So I wonder if that is something that will he'll kind of get control of, or if, if or if it will be something that's always questioned throughout his career. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, it didn't seem to really stop Drew Daddy very much. So as far as the Kings on the ice, like it, it I, I mean, I guess it could have been worse. But I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but just in just as an observation for that particular player, I was like, oh, this looks like something I've seen before, but also, like, chill out a little bit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so that happened and is now dealt with. Um, so now to the one game that the Kings did win since we last recorded. They beat the Buffalo Sabres at home, and they won 2 nothing. Um, and you wrote down, like, some pretty interesting facts about this that are kind of hilarious. <laughs> Um, yeah, so apparently the Sabres really suck, uh, at the Staples Center, and the last time that the Sabres won was in 2010, or scored a goal, not even won, just scored a single goal, uh, at the Staples Center was in 2010, and someone on Reddit had mentioned that the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Thrashers that is scored more recently than they did. A, a now <laughs> defunct team has scored... <laughs> <laughs> more recently than they have. Oh my god! Um, and also, the last four games they played at the Staples Center, they've lost zero to two. That is insane. Like I was thinking about that watching this game because I was there the last time that the Sabers played at Staples Center, and they the Kings won two nothing. And I was like, oh, that's pretty like crazy that it happened. So I didn't even realize that it also happened two more times before that. That is some weird luck um, for the Sabers, although kind of makes sense because on the flip side the kings have also not won in their building for so long just some bizarre stuff going on with those two teams there's some there yeah there's some kings and or sabers fan that there's stadiums and (laughs) knows what's going on although to be fair to the sabers for that they didn't play at the staples uh the staples center to prove themselves but but still. It's still just kind of funny to think about. <laughs> because, I mean, again, that's like the same with the Kings and playing in the Sabres building. Like, there were some years that they just didn't play there. So now it's kind of this weird thing of, like, they haven't won in, I don't know, what is it, like a decade or something crazy? <laughs> it's like some insane number of years that doesn't make sense. Um, okay, one more thing before we move on from the Sabres actually is probably the cutest headline that came out this past week or so about the Kings is this one from SB Nation that just says, very good dog Marnie, went to the Kings game and had a great time. (laughs) So, you know, at least someone is out there enjoying themselves watching the Los Angeles Kings. That's fantastic. I love that Marnie is such a huge Dodgers fan and Staples, or Staples fan, uh, Kings fan. (laughs) He just particularly loves She just loves the Staples Center. (laughs) More so than the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, So that was nice. At least someone is enjoying themselves. Um, I don't know so much about fans. Actually, it's funny because, like, 
you pointed out that I guess because the Kings are losing so much, yeah. t- resale ticket prices are dropping, and so you could have gone to that game on Thursday for like eight bucks. Yep, and then they won. Like what an amazing Thursday night <laughs> for some people. Yeah, that that would have been the best day. Going to see a game, eight dollars, seeing Marnie Kings win. What more can you ask for? It's been the last time you were happy this King season. <laughs> Um, That's dramatic. I mean, they could still win some more games, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) Oh, okay. Quick follow-up, because I mentioned that they were trying to sign that guy, Zach Aston Reese, but unfortunately, the Kings did not get him. He signed with Pittsburgh. I mean, kind of confirming what you know, we're talking about with, like, even though it seemed like a number of Western teams were in on that guy, he kind of stayed towards the East. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like with a lot of those guys, they ended up they end up just signing with like an Eastern Conference team. Yeah, maybe playing for a little bit, getting the feel of it, and then you know being traded possibly or right, what have right. you, then and then moved. it's okay. Um, <laughs> but they usually end up starting with uh, some East Coast team. Yeah, I feel like the slight exception is maybe um, Mike Riley, who ended up signing with the Wild. Um, so it's a little at least a little more Midwestern, but but yeah, that's still maybe. like. Yeah, you know USA hockey right there, right, right, exactly. So, I, I, yeah, I want to see more people come out this way. I mean, not that they don't, but like it seems like the high-profile guys that kind of make the headlines don't really come to the Pacific Division, um, and I would like that to happen. Yeah, me too. Oh, they are speaking of one more NCAA player, kind of scoping out a player named John Stevens, who, as it turns out, the son of Kings uh, defensive coach John Stevens. <laughs> So Doesn't John Stevens look like the kind of guy who wouldn't bother thinking of another name and just being like, this is my son, <laughs> also named John Stevens? <laughs> it, it works for me. It'll work for him. <laughs> we don't have to really go into it. It's fine. Does he come from a line of John Stevens? I hope so. <laughs> is this like John Stevens the seventh or something like that? Because I would find that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I that just made me randomly think of a rom-com joke that I like a lot from a movie that I otherwise found kind of boring, but where it's like now I can't even think of the movie, but basically like they go she goes the name of the movie. She goes to meet this dude's family um and they talk about how there's a family name is Athol. And she's like, "Oh, Athol or whatever." And the one of the matrons of the family says, yes, he come from a whole long line of Athels. <laughs> and it's like this is a really stupid joke that I love. <laughs> that's, oh, that's a really great joke, though. That's really phenomenal. So, um, you know, at least it's not like that for John Stevens. At least it's like a nice, plain, respectable name. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. Back to what I was doing. All right. So, ongoing with me being a person who has cable, I have also... (laughs) I like that that's a segment on our podcast now, is that Chanel has cable so she can watch Kings Weekly, and we can all learn together, because I don't have cable, um, about what's happening. cable discoveries. (laughs) But anyway, um, it was pretty good. But there was this one thing that they did with uh, one of the guys who works on The Simpsons, and he had been coming to games for the Kings for so much of his life. He ran into Pete Demers, who is the former 
uh, Los Angeles Kings, like, trainer. And he told this story. Well, the guy basically was like, we met once before. And then he talked about how, like, it was when he was a kid. And in this game, this, like, crazy fight had happened. And he's expecting, like, Peter Bears not to remember this. Um, and Pete's like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember that because these two dudes got into a fight. And I don't remember their names. Um, but... They got into a fight, but the way that the penalty boxes were kind of built, they were basically sitting together (laughs) after just, like, having had this fight and gotten into each other's faces. So, predictably, they basically started to fight again (laughs) in the penalty box, and uh, a cop tried to like hold one of them back but because he was trying to hold one of them back the other guy basically was free to try to hit this dude and so pete's reaction was to grab the cop for whatever reason to try to get him to stop and this of course angered lots of people including the cop and so somehow this escalated to the point where pete said he ended up getting beat up by seven cops (laughs) at this game and then arrested so he got arrested and taken to jail and and like the guy he's telling this to who had brought up this story is looking at him like oh my god <laughs> what in the world I don't even remember all of that and he's like yeah got taken to jail and he says quote my only regret my only regret was that I couldn't be there to make the sandwiches after the period because I was in jail that's some dedication right night. that's some dedication right there just being like <laughs> yeah. man I couldn't make them their sandwiches oh it's because I got beat up by seven cops and I'm in jail yeah and then thrown in jail. And so after the game, they had to go get him out of jail and then continue on with their trip. I would have loved to be the person to uh, bail him out of jail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let him know how the game ended, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I would make him make a sure sandwich. Right. right. He deserves it, I think. You know, after you get beat up by seven cops, <laughs> that is the least, Yeah, the least uh, that you deserve is a sandwich. Yeah, and he just very casually told this super wild story. He was like, oh yeah, I'll never forget that because of this. And it's like, actually, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, of course <laughs> but... you wouldn't forget that because that is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's like an absurd story. So that was uh, my biggest takeaway from King's Weekly this week was how casually he told this horrifying uh, event. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay, so that's pretty much it for the Kings because they're a mess and we all know it. So a couple of things that are not Kings related, a huge kind of hoopla going around social media and stuff making headlines is USA Hockey versus the Team USA women's players and the pool of players that they have. So the quick gist is that Team USA threatened to boycott the World Championships if if there aren't major contractual changes in how that they are supported and paid by the way they are the defending champs so that would be huge if they're like actually we're not going to be there (laughs) sorry um they're not going to defend their gold medal and they've won the last three times so they're kind of a big deal they're the top dogs in this particular event in the sports what's up huge things one major citation that they noted is in their negotiations was that usa hockey dedicates 3.5 million dollars to the boys development program which i have talked about being a big fan of guys that come out of there and play in the NCAA and stuff like that. Um, So they have that, but there's no women's equivalent. Um, USA Hockey also only pays and supports them for the six months, the six month run up to the Olympics and not the other three and a half years that exist, including like this year, again, the world championships, which happens every year. Um, They do not really get any support for that. Um, Yeah. Drama. Uh, I totally reasonable. To be totally mm-hmm. fair, um, and it's all it all kind of lends to one of like 
lends to each different point is that when there's no development team, then, you know, there's not going to be a lot of interest. And when there's not a lot of interest, you know, there's not a lot of, like, female membership and re revenue, and then that doesn't build it. And then that means that, you know, they don't see the need to develop any more players. And it just, like, is a horrible cycle that needs to change at some point. Because, <laughs> um, yeah. like, most of these people are juggling jobs and paying to play the sport that they love. And, like, I know a lot of people have the thing, like, oh, you should just, you know, be honored that you get the chance to represent your country in, like, this great uh, event. But it's hard to to love that and to be honored if the same sport doesn't love and honor you back. Uh, it seems kind of fruitless. It's, it's also... Honestly, it's just bullshit, too, because, like, okay, so the Olympics, first of all, which the the players say the USA Hockey really is the only event that they want to talk about, isn't the only event that they play in Team USA sweaters. Also, when, like, the younger guys who are developing um, are playing various events and whatnot, their stuff is paid for, they're housed for all of those things. Yeah. So... It's weird to be like, on the one hand, yeah, we should totally support these dudes who um, could, I don't know, go to the OHL or something, but don't and decide to stay um, in U.S. programs. But when it comes to women, I don't know, fuck them, I guess. Like, that's, I don't know, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> also. And so when people try to bring up arguments to justify um, that weird split, I'm like, you don't. You sound stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> None of these things match up. They should support them. And there should, at the very least, be development programs for women. I read this paper about injury in youth hockey, actually. And it was talking about how, since 1993, the number of young girl and women players has increased, I believe, sevenfold or something like that. Yeah. Which is insane. And so you have this massive increase of players and still very few pipelines for them to go into, resources for them to use. And that's ridiculous to, on the one hand, be like, we want to grow the game, but also we don't want to put any money into it ever. So good luck. And <laughs> that it, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it's crazy because I was reading something about the fact that a lot of, you know, USA Hockey's money comes from memberships and things like that. So not exactly, mm -hmm. like, the entertainment portion of, like, the, you know, revenue and, and what have you. It's just people who want to play, you know, hockey, children, kids. And like you said, sevenfold in, has been – there's been, you know, a ton of growth in girls applying to play hockey – and what are they getting out of their fees and their dues? You know, like right, exactly what yeah. we're, you're putting the same amount of. It's not like a girl's membership is, you know, five dollars and a guy's is way more than that. You know, what proportional to whatever their development, which is none uh, for the girls is they play. They pay the same dues and they get less opportunities, less support. Um, so it seems just unfair. You're right. It's just like, it's just bullshit. That's a really good point too about the memberships. Like, I'm glad that I'm paying for some guy to, to go maybe play in the NHL one day, I guess. I'm yeah, great. yeah, good. I'm footing the bill for, you know, little Chad down the street to, <laughs> yeah. to ride to be in the NHL. And uh, like, my daughter can't do anything or go anywhere or they're not tournaments for her to go to. Or I also have to pay for those as well, because there's no support for you know, traveling around the country to go play in things. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just not fair. And that's not going to help, you know, uh, develop the sport anymore within 
the female community. And that sucks. Yeah. And, and there is, like, some interconnectedness with the fact that, like, USA Hockey has a huge investment in developing uh, men players because they are trying to make them NHL competitive and compete with, like, the CHL's yeah. leagues and stuff like that. Um, and because there aren't – I mean, now we have the two – um, leagues for women, but they're still trying to gain their footing, trying to figure out ways to pay these women consistently, and they're still, you know, going through the kinks of all of that and fighting their own bat- battles and all that. Um, there isn't a, a type of, there isn't really a league that they're trying to funnel women to either. So I think that probably contributes to the lack of motivation to support right. female players, um, which sucks <laughs> because uh, you can't be like, well, we're not going to support you because there are no opportunities for you. At the same time, we're also not going to create any opportunities for you. So, yeah, it's just, it's just a rough all around. So I think it's really great that um, basically these women are taking a stand. Um, and it's not like they did it lightly. They had been in negotiations for pretty much all of 2016 yeah. before it got to this point. I mean, it had been like 14 months or something. And finally they were like, all right, we're just going to make it public. <laughs> Let's yeah, go. none of it is unreasonable and none of it is sudden. It's not like they sprung it on USA Hockey without having attempted to, like, talk it out. Um, and it's only now when they have to be like, you know, kind of shine the light on them being like, do you guys see what you're doing? Do you see how unfair this is? Like, can we talk about this in a realer way? Uh, and, you know, if we if we can't reach something and I don't I mean, I don't know exactly what they're asking for, uh, but it feels like it's not been made like there hasn't been any good compromise. Right. You know, right. so um, I fully support this 100 percent. Mm hmm. Yeah, me too. And um, they say that negotiations are ongoing and um, hasn't been a total breakdown. But at one point, it did kind of get weird because the because the USA Hockey was like, oh, we're still going to field a team even if um, the women that we had on the team don't play, which basically meant that they were going to try to go to people who were still like in the pool and trying to reach that national team and be like, here's your opportunity, play for nothing (laughs) because these other ones are on strike. Um, But the captain of the women's national team, Megan Duggan, basically called 100 people herself (laughs) just to be like, here's the situation. Are we all in agreement? Are we, you know, unified and stuff like that, which I thought was really badass. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And I just kept thinking about how, I mean, I know a a lot of people that I know and I made a few myself, like, about the election, called and was like, hey, we're against this, right? We're all going to vote and right. not let this horrible thing happen, like, call around. Um, and for us, or for the, for the United States, it was for not. But I'm rooting for the women here to uh, to have something, have, like, negotiations fare their way uh, a little better this time. Phone banking for the future. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. <laughs> oh yeah so that's still happening and i've been trying to keep track of how that's developing because it's been really interesting and i think really important and i do hope they make headway here and make some progress they seem you know ready to sit out and do what they have to and hopefully that all works and they they get some stuff i just um, uh, it makes me so mad because the all of the female hockey players are expected to kind of just like do it all like that classic like oh a, like a woman has to do it all and be perfectly in shape and ready to play competitive hockey, but also work a job or two in order to play this hockey. And maybe you have a kid, and maybe you have a family, and you're supposed to do all of this without the support of, you know, the organization that you're playing for, and that is just, 
bologna sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It's insane. And, yeah, then people will be like, oh, but, you know, that's a choice. You don't have to do this. Okay, well, that also is not helping. Yeah. <laughs> that's not actually solving any problems. Thanks for your non-contribution. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, hopefully we get to some solutions after all of this negotiating and, and the headlines and stuff like that. I read also uh, a pretty interesting little article about little players, actually. <laughs> <laughs> small NHL players. Uh, but basically, the headline was from Sports Illustrated. It says, smaller players finding roles in the NHL thanks to bigger emphasis on speed and skill, um, which is kind of a little bit of a testament to what we were talking about with like... Edmonton and Calgary, they're two newer teams in the sense that they've been rebuilt a little more recently than a team like the Kings, obviously. Um, And they have put an emphasis on speed. Part of that is just they have gotten faster players like Connor McDavid, like Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau, who is also a smaller guy himself. But it was interesting to see some numbers, basically. So in this article, they wrote, 10 years ago, there were 29 players listed at 5'9 or shorter, and they were on league rosters, and 18 of them played in at least 30 regular season games. Fast forward to 2016-17, and the number of players on NHL clubs rises to 38, with 24 hitting the 30-game mark, which is pretty cool to see. I mean, people have talked about players getting faster, too, and talked about the size of it a little bit, but... Um, I think it was really interesting to just actually see a little bit of the data on that and how it's shifting. And I don't know, it's, it's, I like smaller, faster players myself. So, well, I always, yeah, I always like to see a speedier game. And it's always disappointing when, like, the the draft comes around. I'm like, who did the Kings draft? Oh, another 6'2 dude from Canada. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, another 6'2 stay at home defenseman from Canada. Yeah, okay. Um, and I'd like to see a little diversity and I think that it brings a little bit more excitement. Um, like it's, it's a little bit more of a dynamic play cause you don't really know what could happen or what's happening next because they play the game so quickly. Um, and things can change on a dime and I think it's a lot of fun to watch. And so I am fully behind having smaller people as a fellow small person myself. <laughs> yeah. Something else that it pointed out too was that it's not, I mean, it's not just like with like a Martin St. Louis who you have to be a really, really like high scoring smaller player in order basically for people to overlook your size. Um, that's still true in a sense. Like part of the reason that someone like Johnny Gaudreau is so successful is because he scores. Right. Um, he, if he was just, you know, fast but never actually put any pucks in the net, he might not have gotten the opportunities that he's gotten. Like he's had to prove that he's outstanding <laughs> in order to get the attention that he's had. But Victor Arvison, who is on the Nashville Predators, who is a player who is doing really well this season, but also is not someone who is billed necessarily as a fast breakout star. Um, and you've got guys like Marcheseau, who plays for the Panthers now, who is more of a role player, even though he's smaller. Um, but Arvidsson said, it's a faster game than it was. The rules are different. There are more penalties for hooks and holds, so that changes the game a little bit for small players to get into the league, Um, which is an interesting note, just like the way that penalties are called and stuff like that being a factor as well probably helps, you know, guys who, you know, before we're at risk because of their size, um, it doesn't matter as much necessarily because it changes the way people go after other players, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this article was also written with an eye towards 
an upcoming player, Alex DeBranket, who is, is, I think it's his last year in with Erie Otters. Um, so he will be in the NHL. He's a Blackhawks prospect. And he's got, like, insane numbers <laughs> in the OHL. Um, and he said very boldly that he thinks size will not matter at all in the future, uh, which is wild. And probably he'll be one of the people who contributes to that idea. Um, he was like, it's obviously not there now. But it would be fascinating if we get to a point where size doesn't matter or going a little further where it's actually seen as detrimental to draft bigger players do you think that could happen possibly but i mean i don't know if you've noticed but the nhl is not something that's very quick to change uh yeah, their way of thinking or literally anything <laughs> about themselves um and also the gms it's all very like how it's been done and like an old boys mentality so i think it's gonna take a few you know overturnings of rosters and coaches and gms and seasons to really for there to ever be if there is like a time where size doesn't matter in the future um but i mean it could happen i don't think it's not gonna happen anytime soon but it's it's lovely that he thinks so yeah yeah i was like oh that's that's like really looking ahead that's, guys. yeah that's, <laughs> that's amazing reach for the stars bud um <laughs> but yeah i don't think it's gonna def- really happen anytime I think one way that it could be, the timeline could be at least accelerated a little bit, is if a team wins the Stanley Cup and they happen to be either one of the smallest teams in the league, cumulatively, Uh or they just have a number of really notable small players. Yeah. Um, Because right now, we still, even though there is like an increase in small players, overall, there's still only like a handful of really notable small players, like a... Tyler Johnson, Johnny Gaudreau, like, players like that. Yeah. Um, so I think you'd have to somehow get a team that's like, actually, we just decided to have five of them. <laughs> and then they happen to win the Stanley Cup. Like, people will probably emulate that a little bit more. Or it's like a team that's like, by the way, this team is the smallest team in the league um, on average, I guess. Because that's usually what happens is everyone tries to build, like, during the summer based on who last won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if it's notable small person Alex Deprincat, then I guess yeah. <laughs> uh, that that's what people would go towards. But yeah, we'll see. I w- I, I want to say that I'm excited to see him in the NHL, but let's be honest, I don't watch Blackhawks games, oh, okay. so <laughs> how much am I really going to see him? Not a lot. Uh, but when he when they play the Kings, I guess <laughs> I'll be excited to see Alex Deprincat. But every other time, <laughs> we'll never look at him. Yeah, I'll just wish him well. (laughs) (laughs) From afar. All right, that's pretty much all that I have. Is there anything else you are thinking of or anything before we go? Uh, No. I'm just remembering the (laughs) fond times when we thought that Jeff Carter might score the most goals this season. If only. If only. And then, because that was when he was at 30, and he hasn't changed. Right. (laughs) Nothing nothing new has happened. Still not really that much more. so. Uh, So that's dashed. Um. A lot of the Kings' playoff hopes have been dashed, so, you know, I'm feeling great right now. Also, speaking of the playoff format, David, or David, uh, Daniel Winnick on the divisional oh, playoff I love format. It's stupid. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing ever. From your from your mouth so to the hockey god's ears. <laughs> like, come on. Oh, man, that was really good. I quite enjoyed that. And also agree at this point. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. We need to not do this. Like, I understand why they did it, but we need to not. And unfortunately, Bill Daly, I guess, said that it hasn't even come up like the playoff formatting. Like, GMs didn't want to talk about it. So it is, for the foreseeable future, a staple. Um, Which sucks, but 
I guess we will all muddle through somehow. Yeah, well, I guess we'll just live with it. Who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup <laughs> out of these teams? Oh, God, I don't know. At this... Uh, see, I want to say Washington. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want but, to, too, but that's just but because I'm I want a, them but to. Because <laughs> I want them to, but then I'm afraid <laughs> because there's something called the second round of the playoffs. Right. <laughs> and I just don't know how that's going to go. I mean, like, no shade to the Penguins. I actually like them fine, but I kind of want them to lose <laughs> in the first round. Um, and I want it, the second round to be Columbus and Washington. I think that would be super random, but also super fun. Who would you root for in that instance? Washington? Ooh. Um, yeah, Washington and Zach Wierenski. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I was asking. <laughs> I was like, how, that's who I would root how much does your love for Zach, like, if at all, how much does your love for Zach Rowinski overshadow your love for the entirety of the Washington Capitals? <laughs> I want the Washington Capitals to win, but if they were to, you know, maintain their curse and not make it past the second round, I would also still be very happy for Zach Rowinski. And then from there, with the Capitals out, I would fully be on the Blue Jackets bandwagon. Excellent. And hoped somehow that Zach Rowanski got a Stanley Cup ring in his first year. <laughs> that is what I would want. Why? Just because. Right. <laughs> I think he's great. <laughs> um, uh, what about on the in the Western Conference? Do you want any of those teams to win the Stanley Cup? Because um, at this point, I'm leaning to no. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I just like have too much like animosity for any of that. I was like, I don't want any of them to yeah. win. Fuck the Western Conference. Yeah, pretty much. It's all about the East. Um, I don't think I have any particular investment in any of the teams. So I think for the West, it would just be like... See, for me, it's like... Seeing who I just, lasts and which players I like. For me, it's like I have a vested interest in like not seeing the Chicago Blackhawks win another Stanley Cup. I would like to... Oh, that's fair. I would like the San Jose Sharks not to win their first Stanley Cup. <laughs> right. um, I would like Anaheim to not win a cup. Uh, yeah, that's true as well. That So it's uh, it's just mostly, I don't know, spite that I am rooting against people on the uh, in the Western Conference. Yeah, I same. I agree with your teams. Of, I don't want to see the Blackhawks win. I don't want to see the Sharks win. I don't want to see the Ducks win. I don't want to see the see, Oilers win. I don't want to see the Oilers <laughs> win either. I really don't. So that's, you know, what? That's still half of them oh my, okay, that I'd be so, okay with them winning, I guess. So I'm just, like, thinking about it now. Can you imagine, like, the news articles about everything if the Oilers won? I would just be, oh, it'd be exhausting. Yeah, it would be horrible. I would hate it, <laughs> it so would be much. We, they can't win just for the narrative. Yeah. They just, they can't do it. <laughs> they can't do it, please. Please. I have never, this will be the first time ever in my life that I have truly vehemently rooted for the Ducks, if this is how <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> Just full on Ducks fans. Like the other, actually, no, that's kind of a lie. It will be the second time because the first time was the last time that they played the Blackhawks and they ended up losing anyway. Um, so it was wasted. But so the second time in my life, and I will just, whoever plays Edmonton, I will be rooting for the other team because I can't, I can't take it. I cannot take the articles. Oh gosh. Yeah. We just need uh, like the opposite of fan shirts. We're just like not. <laughs> Boo Oilers, or like whatever, <laughs> not the other team. Um, 
So I guess even though there are players that I like on the Oilers, like um, I don't actually have anything against Connor McDavid. I love Leon Dreisaitl um, partially because he adores Andre Kopitar. Um, Also, he's good. That factors in, I guess. I like other players on that team. I like Darnell Nurse. They're okay. I just don't want them to win this year. Um, and there, yeah, there are other players on the other teams who I like, except for again the Blackhawks, who I never want to see win anything. So there's that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess we're uh, if if not the Kings, then the Eastern Conference is <laughs> right? yeah. how we're currently. Woo! And I'm I'm finding Go this <laughs> I'm finding this out right now as we talk about <laughs> it, and I like am forced to like look within myself and right. see how I feel about these teams. I'm just like, oh yeah, I don't want any yeah. of these people to win. Yeah, I don't have any particular investment in the other four. But I also wouldn't be mad at it. Like, like I would be really happy for P.K. Subban if somehow the National yeah, Predators yeah. win the Stanley Cup. I would be ecstatic for him. Um, I adore Johnny Gaudreau. He, I mean, obviously big, I'm a huge Team USA NCAA fan, so very happy for him all the time. So I would love it if he won a Stanley Cup. Um, I like Bruce Boudreau. I would be happy, like, if the Wild won, he would have a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's some positives, but... But at the same time, like as a whole, I'm, I don't really care that much about the teams. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch, I guess, the uh, playoffs since the Kings likely aren't going to make it. Yeah. Um, I, w- I have to say, like last time, it was it was kind of a blast to watch the playoffs and not really have any investment in it. Yeah, um, I, I'm it good a, it with this very being. Low stress. Uh, yeah, I'm good with this being the last year of that, though. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, um, I'll have one more low stress uh, playoff, or I guess summer, um, and then I'd like to go back to being stressed again. Mm-hmm. It's it's not so yeah. bad being stressed about the Kings being in the playoffs. Exactly. So we'll get back to that. They'll regroup, figure it out. But this year, we'll just enjoy the other nonsense that unfolds. Yeah. And again, like some of this will probably shift before all of the spots are locked. Um, but I can't imagine yeah. it'll shift that drastically. Like too much? Yeah. yeah. No, I doubt it. Uh, I think the East is a little bit tighter than the the West. So there could be some jump. Like I think the, the Leafs are technically only in a spot as of their win tonight. Um, so like some of that might switch a little bit. Right. But I think the West is pretty much set in terms of which teams have made it, even if the seating changes. changes, yeah. Well, we'll see. We've only got a, a few weeks left of this. All right. Um, get excited, guys. About, other teams. <laughs> about everyone else but the kids. <laughs> it's just the world we live in. Yep. Um, all right. Well, we will talk to everybody next week. Um, I guess if you want to, tell us about your playoff expectations and people you're rooting for, yeah. people you hate, etc. Um, and we'll talk more about all of this nonsense, including the King's nonsense, next week. Uh, until then, you know where to find us. We're on Twitter. Um, take care of yourselves. Be good to each other. And we will catch you later, friends. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>